Like what is that? It's the thing in your body, spirit or soul, that is being touched that you can't explain. And we did this whole long um, meditation where you are totally depleted and tired and you, it's like a long 20 minute thing where you put everything in this plastic bag and you put your style and your taste and your clothes and your friends and your past and your dogs and your car and your kid and your body. What does that say about you? Do you eat healthy? Do you have a lot of money? Do you not have a lot of money? Do you spend too much? What does your family look like? All these things that make up you and you're like, okay, you're looking at this bag. You're like, whoa, holy shit. Okay, you see your entire life. And then it's who's looking at the bag? And there is a part of me, you, us, that we can't explain. Like it is something, I don't know, a spirit, a soul, something that gets, gets goosebumps. Yeah. Something that Rumi was when she was born, like that she is herself, no matter what trauma, not trauma, spoiled, this, there, there is something that's inherently somebody um, that gets touched when they see something that touches them, a part yeah. of themselves that they can't really explain. And I hope that that's a soul and a spirit and a this yeah. and a that because it would be nice to think that. But at the same time, if we all become dirt and then trees, I'm reading a great book, the overstory about basically about trees, but <laughs> that's fine too. Yeah. I want to say though, I after the things I've seen, I feel like there's more. I don't there's know, more. I, I think don't know what that's more. what I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever this finds you. Welcome to our Ottoman. Grab your favorite mug, warm, cozy blanket, and whatever you want to pour in it. And in maybe a blanket. In your blanket. <laughs> whatever you want to pour in your blanket. <laughs> whatever you want to pour in your blanket, that too. And, <laughs> and a box of tissues tonight. <laughs> okay, this is what happens when we have, let's make an announcement, a real life public figure celebrity at our ottoman. <laughs> what we'd like to announce tonight is that we have Caitlin Doubleday added to the crew. So um, this is really nice to have because she's my friend, not because she was on America's Greatest Nighttime Soap Opera, Nashville, oh, Empire is that one. Actress, singer, Nashville, uh, Hallmark movies, a slew of other things I'm not going to go into because it doesn't matter because she told me, quote unquote, when I asked her how to do this intro, all that matters is I'm your friend. <laughs> and that is why she's a part of this. So I love you and um, I'm happy. We're all happy to have you. And tonight we will be talking about grief. And if that's not your cup of tea, then don't worry. We have an episode on denial that we're going to do for you. Just kidding. But you could save this one and come back to it because everyone will need to at some point, whether 
you like it or not. So back when I lived in Chicago, um, my boyfriend died. He died suddenly. He died unexpectedly. Um, he died of something that we didn't know that he had. Uh, he oh had gosh, like a, how old are you? He, I was um, turning 30 and oh. he was 31 and he was coming home from work and it was a car accident, but it was kind of said that it was a heart aneurysm mm. at the wheel that mm. he passed away. And um, so like I could talk about like, like the grieving process and about obviously how difficult it was to get to the other side. But there were all so many things like in between that and even at the beginning, like of the night that that happened mm. and and then like what How happened after out? that? Who called you? The police. Oh. Because I, his, my car, together? we lived together and then my, my name was on his car that he was driving. How long were you guys together? About two years. Do you so, think yeah. you're going to marry him? Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were, that is the age. Yeah. So we were, we were definitely considering that, but, yeah. um, yeah. So it, yeah, the, the interesting thing that did happen that evening was that um, it was a snowstorm in Chicago. And I was not working that night. I went to see a play. But after I went, I was working at a restaurant and I went, they did like a wine tasting there. So I showed up afterward, like kind of like, you know, at around 11 o'clock at night and it was a snowstorm. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, okay, like, so it was right when cell phones started. Mm -hmm. And he had called me but I missed his his call and I was like okay that's my cue to go home because then he's on his way home Mm. and um and so I went out to the car and what I saw in the car was um like there were no footprints in the snow because it was total fresh snow and it um it was a smiley face somebody took their finger and wrote with a smiley face on the back of my car and then it said John 316. What? And oh, I was like, okay. Yeah. And you know, I was like, hey. So I went back in to the restaurant and I said, um, hey, you guys, somebody wrote on my car. Like maybe it said John. So I think maybe it's Jonathan. That was his name. You know, oh, so I was like, my. oh, he's like in the oh, neighborhood, gosh. like whatever. So this was like exactly like like around midnight. Oh, it's like exactly gosh. midnight. And then I went, um, and then I went, uh, and then I, I dropped his friend off because I was like, he was like drunk. So I drove him home and uh, he saw, I said, what does this say? And he said, it says John 316. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So long story short, hours went by. Jonathan never showed up. And um, I get a call from the police. And then I, they took me to the hospital and brought me into a room saying he didn't make it. He was in a car accident. And, oh and what I found out is his... Jewish stepmom, when she finally showed up to the hospital, said, John 316, it means whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That was, that was when he was pronounced dead, was when I looked at my car and that happened. Oh my God. Even more like grieving process. Well, that got me, that was one of the things that got me through. It's like, yeah. okay, there is a higher There's power. Something There's else. something else out there because this is no coincidence. Yeah, it didn't happen insane. before. It didn't happen, happen after. But also the energy in the house, like speaking of Reiki and like all this, the energy that we have when, that I experienced when somebody passed, 
the lights would flicker, oh like gosh. in our house, like constantly. Only after this, his death? After his death, only after his death. And even one time I went to visit his brother, you know, to kind of grieve together. And there was a light, a lamp right next to me. And it was going like just on and off. And it's like, is that energy coming from within us? Is that energy coming mm, from something above? Yeah. And it's just, I will never like have, you know, that, ex I, that, that yeah. experience again, like, but that's the one thing that got me through is that, yeah. is that I, there is something bigger. There is some energy that is bigger. And also moving to California, that's when I got yeah. it out. And as soon as I crossed that border, with my like car, it was like you. my, I felt physically lifted. Mm -hmm. Like my, my whole body, like it was off the my new chapter. I was obsessed with Oprah when I was younger and yeah, had her box set and watched it constantly. Yeah. But she would always say, you don't move on, you move through. And like oh, that yeah. just always stuck with me. I don't know why I was young. I hadn't experienced any grief. Yeah. But it makes sense. It's like, it's not like, oh, that's done. Pack it up in a box and move forward. It's like, now this is a part of me. How am I moving forward with this box that I'm carrying on my back? Like the things we carry. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's how I feel. I had a lot of grief in the last, well, actually it started like six years ago. It, I was going to do, oh gosh, was it that long ago? I don't know. I was doing some job. And I travel out for work, and I was in town for a short amount of time. And my dog that I got when I was 18 with my boyfriend, Georgiana, my mom called and said, I think we're going to put Georgiana down. She fell in her water bowl this morning. And I was like, oh, great. And I remember thinking, like, okay, now I have to deal with this today. And I'm only in town for a day or two. Right. So I called somebody to put her down at my parents' house because I didn't want her to be carted off somewhere. And that was really weird. That was like, okay, this was my first dog. We put her down at the house. She was – it was – actually a beautiful experience but it was it was lost like my dad was there my my husband at the time that I'm going through a divorce with my sister and the, the dog and the guy that came over who was really wonderful and we she was eating and fine and whatever and I got to say goodbye to her and that was lovely and then a year later my dog my next dog that was like my little sidekick for life which was a very particular loss because I looked at him and thought it's me and you buddy like before the boyfriends, the friends, the whatever, like if I get a divorce from Devin, which I eventually did, it was like him and I against the world. Like him and I would be the ones moving to a new apartment. It was just, you know, he was my constant, this dog. So he died kind of young of cancer unexpectedly, and that was big. And then a year after that, my dad died. And then two years after that, my grandmother died. And it was a small, I have a very small family. So I lived with my dad and grandmother and mother my whole life. So grandmother died a year ago that was during COVID the whole COVID thing is definitely grieving especially if some of us might only have one child to have a year stripped away of something that I really loved which was socializing with my child going out to dinner watching him talk to the waiters and touch the waiters and be a baby and just being enamored by this thing that then it was like no you're going to stay in your house for a year um and your dad died your dog died your grandma died um that was a lot and I actually saw a um, psychic Hollywood medium that guy he's blonde young oh yes yeah oh my gosh he's I've, I've he's seen great show. he's great and he I went with one of my best friends and her dad had just died and a lot of the things that came up for him were actually 
for her, which she really needed, and she believes in that stuff more than me. Mm -hmm. But one thing that st stood with me, because my dad ended up dying maybe five months later, um, was that he said that energy, dead people's energy, comes through in electricity. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that, like, wow. light flickering and stuff is actually, he thinks the energy not being able to communicate and the only sort of passageway is like this thing that we can see not see that's their only way to like let people know that they're here and so of course that night we talk about her dad and the light would start flickering you know that kind of stuff yeah yeah and i i can't believe i'm doing this right now yeah i have i mean that isn't that huge especially for you not to have known that i mean you already had such a huge experience just with the the john 316 yeah and so I feel similarly to you. I've never been a believer of any of this stuff. I've gone from being an atheist to moving over to agnostic at some time in yeah. my later 20s. Yeah, and too. my dad is, he's a scientist, you know, he's mm -hmm. a chemist, he's everything is science. I mean, his favorite book that he was carrying around was, um, what's that, it's one of these famous atheists books mm -hmm. and literally he would just carry it around and then my mom is super spiritual and so she just believes in and like not organized religion but all of let's say the prophets or jesus or and she has a wall with everything on there from every different whatever it is and i always grew up like that and i just thought my mom's a kook and then my dad's a little too extreme um, like at mm -hmm. some point you know but i was like most likely though this is what it is you know mm -hmm. there's no i'm a really hard fact science person too. too but um, a, a couple years ago when I, I think I had met you guys at that point, we were in mommy and me and I had like a pseudo godfather that I didn't really, he was, he was more my brother's godfather than mine. My mom had a very close relationship with this older man that I, I didn't appreciate that since I knew that from a young age and I, I didn't like the way their relationship was and, and he was a very wealthy man. And so for me, it just kind of grew up and he, he was really kind and giving and would give really good thoughtful gifts mm -hmm. and remember everybody's birthday and do papyrus cards and to me i was just i was a kid that didn't like a man being this close to my mm -hmm. mom mm -hmm. and then was very, being very protective over my dad somehow though i grew up and then those three they all had a good relationship and they would be you know he got into old age and they my dad would help him with stuff on the computer and he was a businessman till he was 86 and died he ended up going to the hospital for something that he should have never he should have been fine he should not have passed away from that but it just resulted in his passing and uh, me and at the time Rumi my daughter was about I want to say like six months mm -hmm. and I was going to go to the hospital to visit him at this point he was in comfort care mm -hmm. um, we weren't able to see him before that because there was there was family logistics that weren't allowing anybody to see him and it's really money like kind of a whatever one of those dirty out of the movies like I don't know, family situations over money and death. Mm -hmm. But when I finally got to go, um, it was it was so weird because I was just like, I gotta go, I'm gonna go. And then I actually got to this uh, wrong hospital. And as I was going in the elevator, I was like, okay, I felt like me and Rumi were there to do something. 
And I felt, and I get goosebumps when I say this because I just felt like we were going on a mission of some sort. And then all of a sudden I found out I was in the wrong hospital and I went from a normal work day. I mean, they were saying that he's not going to pass for a few weeks. And, and so I, everything went, I, I wasn't, you know, not stressed to get there and I was just going to go there and see him. And I found out I was in the wrong hospital and something overtook me and I was like, holy shit, I'm fucking late now. I'm late and I just started running in the parking lot with the stroller, like running, like we're, we're late now. We're late and I'm at the wrong hospital, like running. Like I looked like weirdo with a kid in a stroller. And then I finally made it to the right hospital. I ran, I figured out where I was and then I got in there and me and Rumi, when we went up the elevator, I looked at her and I was like, okay, baby, are you ready? You're, you're going to be an angel for this. I don't know how to explain this. I just felt that wherever she had just come from, she was so fresh to this world that I felt like she was there to be a transition for him into, like he's going to the same place that she just came from. Mm -hmm. And and it was just like, I I knew that we were supposed to be there at that time for a purpose. Um, and then it just happens to be that he had no family there. And I, and again, I didn't, no one, the nurse would come by every now and then and check the pulse and just see, okay. And I was like, do you, do you know anything about his information? Like, how is he doing? You know, I wasn't so emotionally connected with him. So I felt like I could do the things mm-hmm. that people that were emotionally connected couldn't, or didn't have an opportunity to be there and ask the questions that maybe people wouldn't. And she was like, oh yeah, I mean, he's probably got like another few weeks you know and then I was like okay and then me and Rumi just started singing to him and I always describe this story that me and Rumi started singing to him Rumi's six months old (laughs) Rumi cannot speak at this point but we were singing to him like we love you Perry and then they had this like on the tv screen it's just like out of like something that's a parody really I mean, it's just this channel apparently that we all have that will just like have video. It's like 16 million 32. No one watches it, but it's, it's like videos of just flowers and wind blowing, breeze Mm -hmm. blowing in, in like the field. And it has this really cheesy music on and it's such a cold, sterile environment. I just remember like, okay, this is not the way anybody should go. Like there needs to be warmth. Like this man Mm -hmm. needs to have his favorite wine here right now, his favorite blanket, whatever, Mm -hmm. pour whatever in it he wants. (laughs) Um, but so he ended up actually passing away right then. Oh my god! Like within 45 minutes of us getting there. And from that point on, I would say I just took, it was a complete turn of events for me. Like when I describe that, I get the same goosebumps that when we talk about the Reiki experience, that I was like, okay, nobody, I didn't really even get touched, but I feel this. I mean, I think about it the same way, let's say we have anxiety feelings or anger. I mean, this is survival for whatever reason for us to get to a point. I feel like when you get that goosebump feeling, that is, it's like the, something about the divine. Well, I went to this, remember I went to like a, it's like a pay to be spiritual. It's like a Tony Robbins thing. I don't remember. I told you that I this, but yeah, but it's like, it's weeks long. It's really intense. They deprive you of food and sleep and whatever. 
It's like okay. that. But okay, you okay. do other experiences. You actually sign a waiver that you can't talk about it because oh, you don't okay, want to ruin okay. yes. the experience for right, other right. people, which is amazing, by the way. Yes. The whole thing was incredible. But one thing, and I will talk about it, but one thing that they would say about like goosebumps, they call them spirit bumps. Oh. And there's no such thing as coincidence. It's just that you're ignoring something that's being shown to you in that moment, right? Yes. And at first I'd come home and I'd say to my dad, who's also atheist and the most well-read person on planet Earth, I'd be like, wow. And he'd be like, okay, well, that's for idiots. And I was like, no, you're the idiot. idiot. You're depriving yourself of this whole yeah. other world of knowledge, but it's really hard to fight that urge to be like fact-based. It's really hard for me to be like, no, I'm going to live in this. Because it's gonna live safer, it. right? Or I what is no, it? No, I think it's actually just like, to me, it's not safe. It's like brain chemistry. It's like you're born either like searching for facts or being able to believe in magic and horror movies and get scared. And like some people are just more drawn to that. But the spirit bumps, bumps thing was really beautiful. And he said, nobody, like science can't really explain it. Why do you get goosebumps in a movie? I, I just don't want to think that that's it. You know? Yeah, but it is. I mean, yeah, who are we to say? I mean, we no one knows. But there's so many things that we don't see or we can't read that we know are real. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what I mean? Science is that. Because we only also use only 8% of our brain or something yeah. like that. So it could be yeah. there as well. But mm -hmm. it just, yeah. But I is. like that that's what you said, that maybe some, maybe we are changing those lights. That's really fucking yes. amazing. Yeah. Like maybe we're more powerful beings than we'll know in this lifetime. Yeah. And that there is something happening inside of us. Maybe and it's maybe not that the dead. we're all the same actually yes. thing yeah. or whatever source. Yes. And that lately I've been feeling a real big sense of the collective consciousness because I take um, you know, time checking out from the news because I'm like, I'm not learning anything from it. And then I go into my own self-awareness journey or books that I'm reading. And then I will come out and talk to people because that's how COVID is now. You're not really socializing like before. Mm -hmm. And then I'm talking to them and I'm seeing that we're all kind of on a similar path. Mm -hmm. Not all actually, but a lot. And I'm like, I think this is a concept of collective consciousness, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, this is, yeah, you know, I think we started off our grieving episode in denial, so we gave that one. Well, my, and now my, we're in acceptance. No, but like, <laughs> we're not, I don't know, bargaining. We're in, I don't know what the bargaining stage is. There's five. Over no, it's good. Okay. Yeah. There is, um, there is, um, I guess, the stages of grief, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned denial. Um, I, when you were sharing your story, I, it just made me think like, oh, I'm just one of those people that have never lost anyone like close to me. Like, I'm just one of those. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to remind myself, no, actually, like I lost someone during COVID. But I, it, because it was because of the timing, I wasn't able to see her or say goodbye. And so in my mind, my great aunt, who lived a great, wonderful life and was well into her 90s, um, in my mind, I'm going to go see her. Like, it's just, oh, it's it's quarantine, it's shut down. Every Like, uh, we haven't seen so many people. I'm going to see her soon. Mm -hmm. It has not hit me that she has passed. Mm -hmm. I am 100% in denial of it. Yeah. And I'm kind of okay with it. Like, I don't want to address it. It like is I, a survival But I also think that that happens even if it wasn't COVID. Like, totally. Yeah, like, I feel like my grandmother is still alive half the time you know you feel like what do you mean it's just death is really a, 
a difficult concept for the human brain to accept. I think that like the idea that it's done, it's final, it's over, that's all she wrote. You are not going to talk to him again or her again. And that is that is really intense. It's You're really lucky if you get to be put on notice that death is near. Yes. I mean, that is just, mm. and you're older, you know, mm. you're older. Like that's the cycle of life. But mm. now you also get to know that, hey, I mean, anybody could get hit by a bus still tomorrow, but you are being put on notice for it. Everyone mm -hmm. is. So at that point, it's like, it's really sad to me that it's at that point that people start really living life and, you know, being open to stuff, being open to the Reiki energy and being open. And and now I just see how, like, my mom's so supportive, but she's resentful. She's been resentful for a while. But of, you know, I try to get you to take those probiotics. I bought them for you. You didn't take them then, but when I'm offering them now, it's like we have like this little relationship now where I'm just like, oh, it's okay, come, I'll take care of you, you know, oh, and, it's, so and it's just like, okay, we could do art class on Saturdays and we can, but it just came to such an abrupt, I feel like everything came to such an abrupt halt. It was like in three weeks, his health declined so much that it's just like to get him to go from, you know, we took a trip to Denver and walking in the lobby was a lot. And there was one point where I inquired about a wheelchair just to be like, dude, let's get you in a wheelchair. We'll take you bar hopping. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and he was very offended by that. My dad was like that too. Yeah. I mean, we had a conversation where, I mean, my mom spilled the beans on that idea, which she should not have. Cause if I would have presented it, it would have been different. Yeah. But he came over and he's like, you're, you know, your mom told me you said something, you asked the hotel about it. And I just, like a wheelchair, and I just looked at my mom, like, seriously, this is why we have beef. Yeah, totally. Like, this is why we have beef. Selfish. Yeah. And then, and then it was just like, he was like, that's disrespectful. And I'm like, what do you mean it's yeah, disrespectful? Interesting. I, my grandma, who yeah. came to visit me in Chicago when she was 87 and who had a horrible UTI, was always getting UTIs, which old people do often. Um, so she was in pain and her stomach hurt. She was making fun. She was an amazing storyteller and a hilarious comedian for <laughs> amazing. And I have this on video. But um, she was like, oh, my God, you wouldn't even believe it. And she's like so tiny and looks like a grandma in the movie. She was in a million commercials. And she was like, the woman was pushing me. And she goes, beep, beep, coming through, coming through. And there was nobody even around. I was like, hey, lady, who are you talking to? There's no one for miles. Why are you saying beep, beep, coming through? Why are you rushing through? And I thought she was embarrassed. She didn't want her to say beep beep come through. And who the hell cares? And I would always say like, Grandma, you're going to get picked up. It's like a limo. You're going to get off first. You're going to get driven to your thing. And she's like, I can walk. And my dad too, like he had lung issues before he got cancer in the end. And he came to visit me in Chicago too. And like, he even can't even take a step through the airport and he won't get in a wheelchair. But then you also think like, he's a man. Your dad's yes. obviously a man. And like, I think seeing my grandmother getting older the way that she did in and out of hospitals the last year, two, three of her life. And my dad would have, or seeing, I have a friend that's like has dementia and is in one of those places. Oh my God. Like my dad already was like saying, Hey, how can I get a bag of heroin? I would love to kill myself this week. And he would talk like that. And I was like, wow, see, this is why I need tons of therapy. And most people don't talk like that to their children, but okay, I'll ask around for you. But he was in a lot of pain and yeah. like was not scared of death and was not, he was like, my journey is my journey, which was a fucking amazing for everybody around him. Cause he was like, I'm not putting my death on anyone. Like I came in alone, I'm going to leave alone. Like that, I'm going to be fine. Like you guys don't worry about this. Like I'm Who not, a, my dad. 
Oh, wow. It was really amazing. Yeah. Very existential thinker and That's just very like, similar to how my dad is Which is doing. amazing. Yeah. And yeah, a lot and of so people I'm aren't just, like that. No, and I just want to support. I don't care what he is in this season. Yes. I'm yes. just supporting. Yes. But, yeah. but I was going to say about male energy and that sort yes. of aging, masculine energy, um, he... Your dad isn't going to get old till 90 and have somebody change his diaper and blah, blah, blah. And maybe, and I think about my dad and I think that's just not the life that he would have wanted to lead. And it sucks that he died at 73, but it's like, well, that's better than living in this place that a lot of people have to live in in the last two years of their life and whatever. Like, death is just hard for the people going through it and for the people left behind, but there's always... I don't know. I try to see some sort of silver lining as I'm. Yeah, like I think is that this. the bargaining? I just. Yeah. I was just the. What is it, the five known stages of grief? It's denial, acceptance, bargaining, anger. anger. Yeah. Something else I don't know. Yeah. Acceptance. Acceptance. Yeah. I'll put it on here. We will. Yeah. 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 Um, there's somebody else that I really like to follow on Instagram a lot. It's, he's been on a lot of podcasts. Has several good books out, David Kessler, and he has a lot of good, I mean, books on grief, but also if you just follow his Instagram page, like a lot of good quotes from his books. Mm -hmm. Question about your dad. Yeah. Um, He was atheist agnostic towards the end of his life where he stayed. Yeah. And I would like come to visit whenever I could from Nashville when I got the call on set that it was like, he's going to die of, of, cancer soon I was like oh that was out of nowhere he didn't even have cancer but it was like already spread everywhere we thought that this thing in his his esophagus was some blockage with food or whatever but it's actually a tumor and it's all in his liver and whatever everywhere and we're like oh okay Um, and he already could barely walk to go to his lung appointments so it was just kind of like oh lord like and he didn't complain that's the other thing that's really painful yeah yeah. Um, but I would come and I, I have recordings of just He was never, it was never sort of depressing. It was depressing for me because I was like, my dad's death, is he going to be alive to see me get married and me have a kid and blah, blah, blah. And the fact that my dad and grandma aren't there for my sister has been a huge part of the grief. Like that, I'm reminded of that all the time. I just think about that a lot. Um, But he would say, like, I would record our conversations in the end. And one of them is, like, him trying to tell me, teach me what string theory is and what it would mean to be able to slice time because of quantum mechanics and all of this stuff. And he's just, that's how his brain works. He would just, like, lay and watch. He's like, you can watch any Yale professor talk for free if you go on these, like, sites. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, just, he was never bored or boring. Mm -hmm. So that was... You could just talk to him about anything. And the science part is really amazing. But he never came to a place of faith, a place of life past. No. But no fear. He's like, I'm going to die and it'll be gone. And that's fine. Um, Wow. Were you guys there with him when he passed? No, he died next to my mom in bed, though. And, like, we make the joke that she killed him, which she probably did. Um, But (laughs) she actually – so, you know those things that Michael Jackson – what's that – that drug, that the painkiller that's in patches and you can't Is touch it, it. you have fentanyl? to put fentanyl. Yeah. 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 So they give you those patches and he, so that the day that he died, the, the doctors called and it took them a while to get back these MRI results because he couldn't breathe in the in the machine. So they had to stop it. And my mom tells this story, which makes me ill because the guy wasn't nice to him. And he was like, oh, Jesus. Okay. Okay. And that 
fucking kills me because I watched the way that my dad treated people in the hospital and God, one time he was like laying on his back and a um, nurse came in and he was like, he said to the nurse, like, you'll never appreciate kindness until you're looking up into the eyes of somebody who's really kind, helpless. And I appreciate looking into your eyes and I appreciate the way that you handle me and, and blah, blah. And he would always be very like interactive with the nurses and, and appreciative and, and thank them. And, and there would often be one asshole nurse and he'd be like, you're such a loser. Like your energy brings down the room. Like you shouldn't be doing this for a living. Everybody else. No, I oh. would be thinking that. And I wouldn't want them in there with him because right. I'm like, yo, dude, like this guy's going to be dead soon. Get the fuck out of here. He wouldn't complain. But like as the, the survivors of it, you don't want to watch that energy in a room. Yeah. Somebody that's fine. Anyway, I think that those are the two points that you're bringing up have been the two two points that have been the hardest for me to see is um, I've been on a lot of these calls because yeah. everything is by phone now since COVID. And it's like, I see him and I know he's in pain, but he'll just be like, I'm good. You know, yeah. doctor, like even yesterday's yeah. conversation, he was like, okay, so doctor, so how long will it take for the chemo effects to go away? So that, you know, what about my own immune system fighting this thing? Like, he doesn't even want to take pain medication, you yeah. know, or, um, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, I just, I want to advocate for him every time we're on a call yeah. because I'm like, just let's talk pain management. Let's yeah. talk about quality of life. Let's yeah. talk about comfort. He's in pain. And the doctor was like, listen, I'm going to refer you to the nuclear treatment because it could also be used as a pain management, but they yeah. need to consult you. Yeah. And he was like, but listen, when you go there, you got to tell them you're in pain. Yeah. Like he's already been with this doctor for a year and a half and maybe has had seven sessions with him or something where they go over this stuff. And, and my dad doesn't bring up the pay. He doesn't yeah. want to be anybody's burden. Yeah. And yeah. to me watching that, it's really heartbreaking at yeah. this point because yeah. it's like, but that's what we're here for. If yeah. anything, there is a point in life. It's for us to be here yeah. for each other to support at those times. So this is not a burden. This yeah. is what I want to do and want to help. Yeah. And, and then that's just really heartbreaking. And then another thing that you mentioned about your sister is like, I feel that way with my brother. When I yeah. heard my mom get on the line and yeah. tell the doctor, you know, listen, if you get into a board meeting, I just want you to know, please advocate for people who have small, younger children. He's 21. He's going to college and he's saying, is he going to be here for my graduation or when yeah. I come back and he thought he's going to be able to see his, you know, him, like his grand, his child, my yeah. dad's grandchild or see him get married. And that's when it really hurts. Cause Ugh. then I'm, I'm watching and seeing a mother concerned for her child yeah. and yeah. a father, you know, concerned for his wife and child. Yeah. And it's really hard. It is hard. Was your ex-boyfriend a person of faith? He came from a background of, he was adopted, but he was adopted into a really strong evangelical family. That's weird that there was a Bible verse on your car. Oh, wow. yeah. But then his father married a Jewish, Jewish woman yeah, and she was the one that brought up the, the Bible verse, but that got his whole family through it mm. because they ran with that yeah. as the Bible quote on my car. And you know what? more power to whatever yeah, power yeah. that actually brought that in. But yeah, yeah it's they were evangelical. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm Catholic, yeah. but I never knew the Bible. I don't know the Bible verses. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of skipped CCD. Like, I went like and did my communion ceremony, but I didn't. You know, I wasn't so in the practice. I'm more now because of my husband, and you know, but because um, we both are. But um, that that is truly like it's almost like miraculous to me, and I've called it that before because yeah. grieving was so hard losing someone young and then his best friend also dying that same year which was also I felt like like everybody was dying mm -hmm. around me and I felt like I mean I felt really dark and really lost mm -hmm. and that is a continued to get me through mm -hmm. um was that and, and was that that was an unexpected how did the friend yeah, die? Yeah. How did... his friend died of almost very in a weird bizarre way Jonathan had, it was um, called Marfan syndrome. He was never fully diagnosed it. But basically what happens is that a lot of the, it's, it's a rare genetic disorder. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the fibers in your body that connect everything, the skin, the organs, everything, there's soft patches in it. Mm. Abraham Lincoln was thought to have it because it's like kind of the, the um, traits are tall, tall and yeah. tall faces. Jonathan said to me one time, he's like, I don't think I'm going to live very long because look at my arm span. He goes, look at my arm span. It's supposed to be from the head to your toe. And I'm like, my arms are like super long and I like brushed it off and whatever. And he didn't, he, it's never usually formally diagnosed because it's really hard to diagnose, but it's basically his aorta had a very soft patch and it was just his time and usually people don't live past 30 years old and he was 30 and it and he Jesus. just tore his friend trevor which happened like a year late he was the one that said move to california he was one of the like five hand like or handfuls of people that said get out of chicago move on with your life blah, 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 blah. and he um he was engaged to a flight attendant and he, going back from Chicago to LA, he had bought like a house in Marina Del Rey. He was practicing law in both Chicago and California. And he um, kind of the, a bizarre thing happened. His girlfriend was, he was supposed to pick his girlfriend up from the airport and he never showed up and she came home and he was dead in bed. And um, it's like, and again, he was like maybe 35 and he was, you know, somebody that, the previous year, the three of us went out for New Year's Eve and they were both gone. And so my grief level wow. was just like, and, and I had just moved to California and that was part of the saving grace. But it was really hard for me to get my feet moving here. When I first got here, I was really pretty lost. And, mm -hmm. but eventually it did all work out. And mm -hmm. I just, you know, I, 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 you know, I found my human that I was supposed to be with, but, mm -hmm. and all, so much of that grief has gone behind, but yeah, I mean, it was a really rough couple of years, but the, you know, getting through it was moving away, time, time mm -hmm. heals so much. But not, not everything. No, but this did. I mean, it like, mm -hmm. I have the memories, I have, you know, the past with me, but like, I'm not, you know, it, I'm stating the facts. I'm stating, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not, I've, I, it just time has, and, and life changes have switched on me. You know, yeah. he'll never be forgotten. That time will never go away. And, um, you know, it's just, 
they died young. So there is like, yeah. you were talking before, it's like the difference between like suddenly dying and knowing you're the dying. Cycle like this, and this, the cycle yeah. of life kind of when it's parents going before their children, you know, it's. And it's, yeah, all the missed opportunities they didn't get to have yeah. children and all of that, the grieving of like the life that could have been. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Right. It just seems like there's, it's sad for us to think about it, but yeah. they're not sad. Yeah. Like, they got to have the luxury of driving home on a Tuesday and falling asleep, basically. Yeah, yeah. basically, know, yeah, instantly. I got instantly. I grew up atheist and then also kind of shifted to agnostic. And then I, one of the um, things I love to do is edit. And so I was editing this book for this author, and it, turned, it ended up being a Christian book. And so it required me to read the Bible to revise his writing mm -hmm. um, and to do some cross-referencing. And so that's actually how I started reading the Bible is for a job. Mm -hmm. And um, I became so fascinated with the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, I love reading the Bible. Like I've not read it all from beginning to end. But my favorite book is um, in the Bible is the book of Job. It's actually my favorite book ever. And if anyone knows the book of Job, it's about this guy who had everything, everything, everything under the sun and then lost everything, everything, everything. Oh, wow. um, his kids die. His um, He gets all these illnesses. I mean, it's uh, it's devastating. Um, and, and there's a whole agreement that happens. And if you're at all intrigued, read even the cliff notes of the story of the book of Job. Um, but for me as a believer, like I don't identify as Christian or Catholic or Jewish or anything. I like the thought of identifying as Christ. Like I, I aspire to be Christ-like. Mm -hmm. And when I think of who Christ is, just how he is described, I'm like, gosh, that sounds like amazing. Like love is patient, love is kind. Like those are things that I, I strive to be. And as I've studied the Bible first as a job and now out of like just true passion and interest, there is a lot of solace in, in the Bible about death. Mm -hmm. um, and from like, I, I love talking about death. Mm -hmm. Never really considered talking about grief because I always consider myself one of the lucky ones that haven't had to deal with grief. Mm -hmm. And now this is my first encounter with a death of someone close to me. And now I'm like, oh, I'm denying it. It didn't happen. I'm going to see my great aunt next month. Um, but there is a sense of peace that I do feel as, as incredibly powerful as each of these stories have been. Um, there is a little bit of sense of peace in me of knowing that this particular life that I'm living is going to be really hard. This is hard work. Life is hard. And now I'm not without using heaven or hell or any of those. There is like a sense of like, this body will deteriorate, but like you were saying, spirit or soul, something later will find its like new home. Yeah, another mm -hmm. home. Well, I uh, some another thing is uh, the have, have you guys read a book I like? I've not read the whole thing, but highlights the Tibetan Book of the Dead and Living. Mm -hmm. First of all, I mean, the, I guess it's the monks, and I don't want to mess this up, but basically they have an area where when people are getting older and dying, I mean, everybody spends time in that area, and you're with, I guess it's a part of the monastery, and you'll go be with those people as they're passing, and so 
it, death is not keeping it's not kept hidden. it's not mm. hidden it's not taboo it's not sterilized heading this place. Yeah. yeah it's just a part of just like you know birth and life you know comes yeah. into the house and i mean however it is but but they were just saying that really the goal of this life is to figure out how to be happy mm. and um there's different stages of the book but it's like once you could get past all of these like the things that you put in a bag and you carry mm. behind your back or whatever it is, is to then be able to accept death and get there. Mm. Like it's another chapter. And another thing I think it is that they believe is that this is kind of a dream level all of life. So even when you have dreams, they're not that impressed because it's dreams within dreams. Mm. But something that does kind of uh, pique their interest is if you have lucid dreams where you could control mm. what you're doing in a dream. And I, I know this because I just watched this. Um, I did this webinar. Um, with, now I'm forgetting his name, but it was about lucid dreaming. And I had just happened to have, I didn't even know what lucid dreaming was, but I happened to have one the month before. And then I get this like webinar notice and I'm like, yeah, sign me up. Cause I Google searched my dream and it said lucid dreaming. Like I've heard of that. And so I was reading about kind of what the monks think about it. Um, and they were just like, oh, they'll be a little impressed if you talk about lucid dreaming because this is all dream state, but that's another. And so death is just another state mm -hmm. that you go to before you go to the next one. Yeah. But it's like, of course, we don't even live in a universe. We live in a multiverse. Mm -hmm. Where the hell do we think we know anything? That's why okay, I'm like, question. at least, yeah. Okay, so we... Each have an expiration date. Yeah. Would you want to know yours? No, God, no. No. <sighs> I just thought no. about it tomorrow. Like, no. You're no. like, I got to go. <laughs> no. Why are they signing Why up? Why am I talking about grief? I got to go live my life. <laughs> live it up. Yes. <laughs> Where would you go to live it up? So would you want to know? And no. I, 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 I you so want to know. I need to think. I want to know. Give it to me. Absolutely. Okay. okay, so like this is, there's nothing so you, you can, can do plan to change it. it. No. But no. you change it? That's no. the thing. No. Because the reason why I say no is because I don't really believe anything is a hard line rule. <laughs> like yeah. there's a She's way a lawyer, around everybody. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is a way around this. I and I don't argue this. Yeah. <laughs> no. About December 17th, 2074. Can I get that? <laughs> Professional courtesy. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. I okay, but I guess know. if it is a hard line, hard line, do I want to know? I guess, sure. Why not? Then I can plan according. But you know what? I think we should live they, like that. Yes. We should already be living yes. like that. One of my good friends who lost her mother when she was 14 called me and was like, how does this feel? And, and her husband's um, twin brother had cerebral palsy or something like that where you don't live very long and he died around that time as well and we were talking about death and she was like well what what can you take from this what has it made you bring bring up for you and I just said I think that I actually wouldn't change anything yeah. that I'm doing right now mm -hmm. I'm living the yeah. life that I want to be living mm -hmm. I'm trying to live it the way that I want to be living yeah. it saying the things that I'd like to say that yeah. when and you, that's when the you found out about your dad like I just remember thinking wow since I've experienced this like I feel thankful that I can tell you like yes. see him see him see him every yeah. week see him mm -hmm. more than once a week like that's it that's the only thing you can do and with my mom my mom treating her with respect, kindness, making sure she feels appreciated, doing small things for her yeah. when I can. Like, that's basically it. Yeah. 
being a good being a parent. good person yeah. and that's literally what the what that's the gist of the tibetan book yeah. of the living dead and yeah. mm-hmm. and that's what it is is i think being a good person and living a good yeah. life mm-hmm. yeah because it's always next to you it's literally something that wakes up with you and goes to sleep with you is death yeah. right there yeah mm-hmm. so the, and yeah and i think that and the better relationship that you have with it will be a better life lived because you won't be escaping it through spending and texting and this and distractions and alcohol. And I think that's all just sort of this mortality. We're not doing enough FOMO. It's all Mm -hmm. something fear of missing out fear of something. It's Mm -hmm. all just a fear based thing. Mm -hmm. And through my separation and dating and like anxiety inducing things, Mm -hmm. I get so much anxiety. I can't sleep my night sweats are insane. I, I think about death and all of these things that are just like triggering like wormholes mm-hmm. and just to really breathe and say like, mm-hmm. in this moment, I have a house over my head and I have Franklin and I have my dogs and I have my friends and like, just in this moment, in this moment, in this moment, yeah, all the time. Being and what does that mean? Yeah. And aware. And actually we're all freaking fine in this moment. Like, yeah. and that's all you can ask of life. Nobody mm-hmm. promised you shit. I mean-